Welcome to the Donaclody Parish Podcast. We're an Anglican Evangelical Church committed to glorifying God, preaching the gospel, and making disciples. Work in us now, we pray that we would live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight, as I said, we're looking at Romans 8. I believe in the Holy Spirit. There it is, up on the screen as well. Now, the big problem as we start this sermon is where does it begin and where does it end? It could be um, a whole pile of different, uh, different studies we could be doing on this one subject alone. Uh, and um, a lot of stuff didn't even find it into the sermon. So you might be thinking, well, Brian, don't you go on and on every week, never mind tonight. Well, maybe, but this week I, I have to agree with you and say um, there's loads more I could say, but we've tried to cut it down. Because this creed, as you see in your order of service, is part of the creed. It starts a new paragraph. We've seen a paragraph about God the Father. We've seen a paragraph about Jesus Christ, God's Son. And now we have a paragraph about the Holy Spirit. If you like, it's because of the Holy Spirit that if you look down in your Apostles' Creed uh, and you see what's written there, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. It's because of the Holy Spirit that we have the church. It's because of the work of the Holy Spirit that we can know our sins have been forgiven and so on. But even these words, I believe in the Holy Spirit, how would you put it in a nutshell? You know, how would you, how would you, how would you put this in? Because, uh, you know, it, it's quite ironic when you actually start talking about the Holy Spirit and say there's loads to say about the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit doesn't have much to say about himself. When, when, you, when you think about it, it's kind of strange that, isn't it? Because the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. And yet when you read it, the Holy Spirit doesn't mention himself much. Seems to me he wants to always tell us about Jesus. Uh, Jesus' relationship with the Father. Well, so how come do I have, I have so much to say tonight? Well, I'm not going to say too long. Don't worry, you'll get home before you need to get home. But, but, well, here's why. Because the only reason I believe any of this creed, from the, the very first phrase, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the only reason I believe that is because of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that takes all of the truth within the scriptures and within the creeds and applies them to me. He makes it real for me. And therefore, there's a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, one of his roles is to bring us into the relationship that is within the Godhead. That relationship that's already going on between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's what he does in the lives of his believers. And when he does that in this world, which is broken and sinful, the evil, it can look awfully messy. So tonight, as we look at this point of the Apostles' Creed, we're just going to bring up two points. Uh, and the first one is this. The Holy Spirit brings us life. And as Lisa was reading it, uh, I wonder, did you notice how often, you know, that word life came up in our reading. If you read Romans 8, the word life appears all over the place. And it's often seen as the opposite things like the law or the flesh of sin and death. 
And you'll see often as you read through Romans 8 that there are two options. There's life in the spirit or there's life in the flesh, which is sin and death. Uh, if, you've, if you've got a Bible, uh, verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what the na that nature desires, so sin and death. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Verse 6, living by the flesh is death, living by the Spirit is life and peace. Two options. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have life. And if not, well, when you don't have life, you have death. Death. So, so we're not talking about the Holy Spirit as something that's just for super king Christians. No, this is describing every Christian. Verse 9. You have are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. See, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. So everyone who's here and everyone who's watching, you either have the Holy Spirit or you don't. You're either with Christ or you're not. You know, and, and if you're with the flesh and sin, that's death. Should I say that was the hand I was using? And if it's the spirit, that's life and peace. And you might say, well, friend of mine, friends of mine who aren't Christians look pretty alive to me. They go out and party and have fun. But in the Bible, what death is, is separation from God. You think about it like this. Really simple way of thinking about it is the natural state of you and me is as if we're on death row. You're separated from God because of your sin. The question is, in your life, is whether the final sentence is going to be carried out or not. Or whether somehow you'll receive a pardon and you'll be freed. Are you going to be separated from God forever? Or is the Spirit going to come and give you life? That's what Paul's saying here. And there are hard truths for us to accept. Because we all want to say... Look, my friend's not a Christian, but they're lovely. They're lovely. And they do really nice things, and actually they can be nicer than some Christians. Surely God would accept them. But actually, here is the most shocking truths of the Bible. No, he won't. No, he won't. You don't get into heaven by being nice. Look, look at verse 7. Verse 7 here says, The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse 8, Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So maybe a really nice friend does amazing things for charity. It's a good thing to do. They're selfless. But fundamentally, their action came from a mind that was hostile to God. They didn't do it out of love for him or to honor him. And if your life is lived on that basis, then that's a big problem. Because what is the greatest commandment? 
What's the greatest commandment? Can anybody tell me what the greatest commandment is? To love God. To love God. And you cannot please God if everything you do breaks the greatest commandment, can you? No. Even Elijah knows that one. So how does the Spirit free us? Well, he brings life. He opens our eyes so that we can see that we are sinners. It's one of the greatest liberations, actually, of life when we actually realize that I'm a sinner. And when we see that, the Spirit says to our hearts, yep, you're a sinner. And we confess, I really am a sinner. And then we see in the Bible who Jesus is and what he's done. That he died on the cross, that we can be forgiven. And the Spirit says, yep, that's true. And he died for you. And then we say, yes, Jesus died for me. We confess it personally and publicly. Now we know it to be true. That is the Spirit giving us his life. We need to hear the bad news first before we get to hear the good news, which is amazing news. And part of receiving the bad news is actually good news. That's the Spirit giving us life. And then see how we're described, verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Which is the same thing as verse 10. But if Christ is in you, your body, if Christ is, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Not your own righteousness, but Christ's. Which is another way of saying verse 1 in Romans 8. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That phrase comes up and up again in Paul's writing. Christians are in Christ. So you have Christ in us and us in Christ. It's pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. Through the Spirit, we have union with Christ. We are together with him, in him. Him and us, we in him. And here's where it starts blowing your mind a bit. His Father, if we're in Christ and he's in us, becomes, what do we pray at the end of our prayers? Our Father. Our Father. It's amazing. And Jesus is no longer distant from us. He is our brother. Our brother. It's hugely important. See, we are being brought into relationship within the relationship of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's life. And that's what it means when the Spirit gets into our hearts. And that might sound not quite nice when you come to church and think about it. Or you might think, what is Brian talking about it? We can think of this in terms of prayer or in terms of worship, what it means to share the Lord's Supper. But what about outside of those times? What difference does this make when you go back to your work or just to the normal grind of life when you're looking after your kids? When you're depressed or bored, what, it, what does being a relationship within the relationship of God actually mean? Well, it's this. The Holy Spirit makes you Holy. As you would expect, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be made holy. And you're going to be made through holy, and it's going to be done through all the mundane and boring parts of your life. The Spirit will use those to make you holy. 
at school, at university, in married life, at work, when you're stressed, when you feel crushed. He's going to be at work in you. And that's our second point. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. Look at verses 13 and 14 if you've got a Bible. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if the Spirit you put to death, but but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So one thing the Holy Spirit does is he helps us put to death the misdeeds of the body, i.e. sin. Another thing he does is he leads us. And so the Spirit helps us to put death to death the misdeeds of the body. You put to death the misdeeds of the body because then you will live. If you want to know this relationship, communion with God, growing closer and closer to the one who is love, then you will, by the spirit of life, be fighting sin. You'll be putting sin to death. Now that doesn't mean you'll achieve perfection in life. That all of a sudden you're going to be floating a foot above the earth with a holy aura around you. That's not what he's saying here. But it does mean that you'll be like a resistant fighter, fighting after year after year, confident knowing, confidently knowing that one day the enemy is going to be driven out. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. He's at work to live, to help us live by the Spirit, and that means fighting sin. And I want to ask a really simple question tonight. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Do you listen to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit puts his finger on that part of your life as he says to you, you need to deal with that? And if you're a Christian, you're in a battle for the rest of your life, either till you die or Christ returns. And new battlefronts in different areas will pop up all the time. You're in that fight, you need to keep fighting. Well, how do you do that? Well, you pray. You come to the Bible, you see what it says. You maybe even memorize verses. Ephesians 6 tells us that the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. The only offensive weapon in that list of armor, the Word, the Bible. We get help from other Christians. And we ask them, help me. Help me, challenge me. And see, and, and ask me how I'm getting on in that particular area of my life. And we keep fighting. That's what walking in the Spirit looks like. And it's not a miserable or boring thing. It's exciting and joyous to kill off sin. So at the end of verse 13 it says, And you will live. And others will see it. Maybe you can think of a Christian that you, you know has followed Jesus for decades. And they have a twinkle in their eye when they speak of the Lord. And they have a deep peace. But they could tell you of how they fought against sin after sin. And then you're led by the Spirit. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, verse 14. Let the Spirit lead you. That's the flip side. If you're fighting sin with the help of the Spirit, you're going to be led into holiness. That's what being led here means. See, the primary way that the Spirit leads us is into holiness, of being more godlike, or, or at least more godly, should I say of thinking right thoughts, of having good desires, of reacting to things in a better way. It's something I need to learn. Uh, of speaking in a way that is a blessing to others. And there's a really simple way to pray this into being. It's a really simple way of doing this. And we've done it already tonight. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name in my life, Lord. 
and those promptings of the Holy Spirit, and those times that you would otherwise go against God, maybe they're not that glamorous, maybe not anybody else will see it, but they're the ones we should be seeking, aren't they? That's the kind of guidance I want most, to be guided in the way of holiness, and therefore into a deeper relationship with God. Because you see, that's where it leads, verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. It leads to a heart that is able and confident to cry out before God, Father. And knows it to be true because verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Christ in me, me in him, his Father is my Father, I can cry out, Father. That, I think, sums up the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in our lives. When the supernatural breaks into the natural, when I realize that actually in every moment of my life, I can cry out to God, Father, Abba, anywhere, anytime, in the car at home while I'm walking. Father, thank you. Father, praise your name. Father, help me. Father, help me to know what to do. Father, help me to glorify you in this situation. That I live every area of my life consciously out before Almighty God. See, the work of the Holy Spirit is not something that we should detach as something scary or weird or freaky. No. The, Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit is to make that life, that normal, mundane, everyday, fighting sin, being led by the Spirit, to make that as natural to us as breathing. There's too much to say about the Holy Spirit, but I think that's what I want to say tonight. There's nothing more wonderful, more soul-satisfying than the work of the Spirit bringing us into relationship with God. So that first of all, the Holy Spirit brings us life. Not a, not a life that is full of separation from God, but a life that grows deeper into God. And secondly, that the Holy Spirit makes us holy by helping us fight sin, by leading us into holiness and into a deeper relationship with God. That is such a precious gift and one we should treasure and build on every single day. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, you're the Lord, the giver of life. Give us life. Be at work within us. Help us to fight sin. Help us to fight all that is not of you. And lead us. Lead us into living lives that are holy, godly, that are of you. And as we learn to live in a way that reflects who you are, we also pray that you would give us a deep peace and joy that can only come from you. And this we pray in the name of Jesus, who in and through the Holy Spirit is our brother, for his glory and for the glory of our Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Donnelly Parish podcast. We're happy for this teaching to be shared for the advancement of gospel work and to help make disciples. For information about Donnelly Parish, please check out our website, www.donnaglonyparish.com c-l-o-n-e-y-p-a-r-i-s-h dot co dot uk or find us on social media